I want to invite everyone to open their Bibles to the book of Proverbs. Today, for our 13th sermon in Proverbs, uh, we will be uh, first in Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4. I like that we have a lot of DIYers here. I mean, like, I feel like it's like almost a uh, requirement to become a member here that you have to be a DIYer. I'm just kidding, but I like it. You know, it, doing something yourself gives you like a ton of this, this sense of accomplishment and pride in what you've done. It can also cause an intense amount of frustration trying to do it yourself. Uh, and make you wonder if doing it yourself is actually truly worth it. Uh, I'm in the process of building a new TV stand for me and Mallory, and as I'm kind of building it, it reminds me of our current uh, TV stand. Uh, we ordered it from Home Depot several years ago, and, and we got it delivered to our apartment. And this TV stand didn't come assembled. No, it can't, didn't come in one box. It came in two boxes, and each box seriously came with about a thousand pieces each. Okay, uh, I wasn't much of a DIYer at this point, but Home Depot was forcing me to be. Uh, so we pull out all the individual wood pieces and all the hardware, the screws, all this kind of stuff that, that put this thing together. And this thing, I, I don't know what day of the week this was, but it took us hours to put this thing. I'm talking like eight, ten hours to put this thing together. Mal's kind of helping me read the instructions. She's finding pieces and that kind of stuff. Morally supporting me as I'm like on the verge of collapsing and anger and exhaustion. And I'm just, I'm, I'm putting piece after piece together for hours. And I'm so drained. You know, I'm just getting drained, physically drained, mentally drained. Just, oh, I'm just ready to put this thing together. And so we get to the last piece. Like, the last, this not, the last piece. Very last piece, only to find that the manufacturer didn't drill the holes that we need to put it together. I'm just like, you have got to be kidding. Home Depot. So, okay, no problem. I'll drill stinking holes in this last piece. So I go and I get my drill to drill the holes in the last piece and my drill stops working in the last piece. <laughs> so I can't charge my drill because I can't find the charger on this last piece. So I have to finish it and I end up making redneck holes by hammering a nail and just to make these holes, just hammered in there, and this little, it's a sliding door, and it still is janky to this day. Work and labor can be incredibly frustrating. So, so frustrating. And whether it's building something, going to our jobs, parenting, housekeeping, schoolwork, or doing a project, labor can simultaneously, simultaneously be the most fulfilling and one of the most frustrating things in life. And yet, the whole cycle of creation, the whole order of creation is built on a cycle of work and rest. 
God worked in creating the universe and then he rested. And so the rest of creation follows this pattern of work and rest. And Proverbs points to that cycle. We were made to work. As often as work frustrates us, we were made for it. We were made to rest. And so understanding this cycle and, and, and finding joy in it is one of the main aims of wisdom. And so what I believe Proverbs points to the appropriate characteristics of work and rest, work and leisure, labor and leisure. I believe Proverbs points us to the correct characteristics, the appropriate characteristics of these. So look at Proverbs 10 verse 4 with me. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. If you were to go through the book of Proverbs, if you were just to read through it in one sitting, you would see that as a whole, it takes an overwhelmingly positive view of work, but offers hardly any for rest. So the first part that we're going to look at today are the characteristics of worthy work. Characteristics of worthy work. Now it's important to remember here as we read Proverbs 10 verse 4 that that Proverbs isn't a bunch of promises. We kind of talked about this before. It's not a bunch of promises, but, but general truths, right? They will be generally true of life. Uh, and so... So in chapter 10, verse 4, I'm sorry, I keep messing with this mic. It's kind of not doing right. But anyway, in chapter 10, verse 4, the contrast between wealth and poverty is whether you have a slack hand or lazy hand or a diligent hand. So diligent hand, you have wealth, slack or lazy hand, you have poverty. Pretty simple. The thing is, if you think about that just for a moment, it's just that that's not always true. I mean, some of the laziest people can be some of the wealthiest, and some of the hardest work workers can be their spend their whole lives in poverty. It's just the way it is sometimes. But what it does mean, what we can take away from Proverbs ten four, is that laziness won't help your case. And whereas, if after working diligently you're still poor, the fault isn't yours. <laughs> not your fault. But the first characteristic of of worthy work is precisely is that we were made for work over and beyond rest. Timothy Keller, he wrote a book called Every Good Endeavor. And it's all about uh, how we humans were made for work and for rest, and how, how every labor done unto God is a good endeavor, that no matter how big or menial the task may be. And he wrote, he wrote this, he wrote, Work is so foundational to our makeup that it is one of the few things we can take in significant doses without harm. Indeed, the Bible does not say we should work one day and rest six, or that work and rest should be balanced evenly, but directs us to the opposite ratio. Leisure and pleasure are great goods, but we can only take so much of them. 
In short, work, and lots of it, is an indispensable component in a meaningful human life. It is a supreme gift from God and one of the main things that gives our lives purpose. So one reason why Proverbs takes this overwhelmingly positive view of work over and above rest is because work is the main bent of our lives, what we were created to do. So that's why we read in places like Proverbs 14.23, in all toil there is profit, but mere talk only leads to poverty. The whole bent of these kinds of Proverbs is to encourage the son to simply get out and work. So he writes in, in chapter 24, verse 27, listen to this, prepare your work outside, Get everything ready for yourself in the field. And after that, build your house. And that's actually pretty crazy if you think about it because where are you going to sleep and eat? As you're getting your field ready, you don't have anywhere to sleep. You don't have anywhere to go eat or bathe or whatever. But the whole point is to direct us is to seeing work is more foundational to our makeup than even having a decent place to live. That's this view that proverb takes of work. Recently, there was a, a pretty well-known author uh, who uh, she was, you know, kind of defending herself, and and she was boasting about like she built her life, like what she has, uh, you know, all these possessions, these this thing that she has. She she built these things. Um, and, and about having what she had and not being relatable because she worked her rear end off uh, to get where she was, although she didn't use those exact words. Uh, and I think one thing that this author fails to realize is that those kinds of things don't come to a lot of people who work really hard. In fact, the similarity is that both this author and people and everyone else will continue to have a need to work hard, but the difference is, is that we don't need all the amenities that this author has. Both are the same. We both have the same needs to, to continue to work. What is not a need are all these amenities that she associates with hard work. So, so work, right, is, is this bent of our nature we were created to work that's why some of the busiest people i know are retired people <laughs> in fact if you go to menards right there's a lot of people who have retired just wanting to work in hardware which sounds pretty awesome to me Another characteristic of worthy work that's related to this is, is patience. Is patience. Over and over again, Proverbs warns, of, uh, warns us of, of haste, of being hasty, or, or you could say cutting corners. So uh, we read, an inheritance gained hastily in the beginning will not be blessed in the end. Proverbs 20, verse 21. The plans of the diligent of the diligent leads surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. Chapter 21, verse 5. 
Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. Chapter 13, verse 11. Or, I think chapter 20, verse 17 also speaks to this. Bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man, but afterward his mouth will be full of gravel. The picture in this particular verse is that you might get what you want the way that you want, but it has no nutritional value. It's not doing for you what you think it should. I'm reminded of when I've always tried to go the cheap route to fix my car, and nine times out of ten, if cheap is what I want, cheap is what I get. If shallow roots are what you want, shallow results are what you'll usually get. And it's driven by impatience or or this idea of, of cutting corners. It means trying to get what we want by trying to cut corners, uh, circumvent, so to speak, God's will for us to get there. So this includes, right, obviously cutting corners at your job, being dishonest about your work or, or cutting other someone else down. But this also comes out right in other areas of our labor. So think of parenting. It looks like disciplining your kids out of frustration rather than patient, gentle correction. We want our kids to be somewhere, but we're hasty in getting them there. So we circumvent patient, gentle correction and replace it with frustrated discipline. Ultimately, labor that is done in gracious, obedient patience is labor that is worth it. It's worthy work. So this, these are the characteristics that, that Proverbs puts forward to us for us in our work. We were made for work. Work is often frustrating, but we were made for diligent, patient work. And there's a second part to this cycle, rest. And so we want to read Proverbs, not only reading it for characteristics of worthy work, but secondly, characteristics of lasting leisure. Lasting leisure. In fact, as I said before, if you read Proverbs the whole way through, you'll not only get this picture of an overwhelmingly positive view of work, but you might walk away with like kind of a negative view of rest. So, so Proverbs writes, uh, or Solomon writes in chapter 6, verses 10 to 11, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber, and scarcity like an armed man. I think about this verse every time I lay down for a nap. I feel like Solomon is just kind of hovering over me, staring me down. He's like, poverty's gonna, he's gonna get you, man. This kind of thing is repeated in other places. You read it in chapter 24, and we come to places like chapter 20, verse 13. Love not sleep, lest you come to poverty. And so we're warned over and over and over again of the dangers of too much rest. So, 
while on the one hand, as we heard earlier, we can take large doses of work without harm, rest and leisure we can only take in smaller doses. Work is vegetables and fruits. Rest is french fries. The problem is, we all want french fries. We don't want Brussels sprouts. If you want to be healthy, right, exercise is so, so, so important. Exercise helps you, you know, burn excess fat, helps you build muscle. But anywhere you read about exercise, they'll tell you that you can't outwork a bad diet. And if we're honest, a healthy diet is the hardest part of being healthy. Right? You can find some kind of exercise you enjoy doing. Taking a walk, man, that's, man, that's good stuff. But then, like, passing up McDonald's, you know, for, like, something else that's more healthy, that's hard work. That's hard work. You don't hear anybody saying, I want to thank Papa John's for my six-pack abs or my gold medal and water polo. No, it takes want and work to get where you want to go. So I would say what we learn from Proverbs is the first characteristic of lasting leisure is a right appetite. A right appetite. Proverbs 19.24 has always been funny to me here. Proverbs 19.24 says, The sluggard buries his hand in the dish and will not even bring it back to his mouth. So I just picture this guy just... Kind of sitting on his tail and you just, <sighs> too tired. And he just kind of goes to sleep with his hand. And the thing about these cultures, and this is true of many cultures in the world, is you don't have forks. You don't have chopsticks or spoons. This is your fork. And so to get your food, you dip your hand into the bowl and bring it back to your mouth to eat. That's how a lot of cultures eat. And it's as gross as it sounds. Um, so, so the picture here is that the slugger puts his hand in there and just leaves it there. But Solomon's not writing like literally. Like I, I mean, it's like probably the most extreme case of someone just kind of like putting their hands in French fries and just kind of leaving it there. <laughs> no, no, this is a picture of want without work. It's a picture of wanting without working. The sluggard wants the pleasure without putting forth the effort to get it. The sluggard does not plow in the autumn. He will seek at harvest and find nothing. Chapter 20, verse 4. It's, it's the same exact picture. right? In this culture, plowing and growing and harvesting are critical to surviving. You grow your crops, and they are your crops are what sustains you through winter until the next harvest. You, you got to do it to live. And it's still this way in many parts of the world. And, and, and the sluggard here doesn't put in the work of plowing, and yet he still goes out looking for food. He wants the benefit of work without putting in the work. The benefit of, of rest without putting in the work that rest requires. I want a nice, green, grassy yard. Right? I want a, I want a Lowe's commercial green, grassy yard, or Scott's, or whatever, whoever's doing the commercials. 
what I have is weeds with some tufts of grass. And, and I'm learning just how hard it is to get a nice yard. I mean, I've, I've spent hours out there trying to get it, and it just seems like I'm just getting more weeds. And so now I'm, I'm trying to decide if I want to put all this back-breaking labor into doing it. I'm trying to decide if it's worth all this effort. And so what these Proverbs show is that the difference between a, a sluggard's rest and lasting leisure is that the sluggard's appetite is all out of whack. His appetite is all gone. The effort is put into all the wrong things. And so he can't rest well. Listen to chapter 12, verse 11. Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who chases fantasies lacks sense. Or the desire of the sluggard kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. Chapter 21, verse 25. In contrast, a worker's appetite works for him. His mouth urges him on. Chapter 16, verse 26. So what we want for lasting leisure is a right appetite to pursue the right goals. It's a right kind of resting. Which leads us to another characteristic of lasting leisure that might seem surprising. But I'm, I'm calling it humility. Humility. A key warning, uh, if you read the, the Proverbs about sluggard and resting, a key warning that you might pick up on against it is rest that is spent for me. So listen to Proverbs 21, verse 17. Whoever loves pleasure will be a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not be rich. And then, just a few verses down, listen to this. The desire of the sluggard kills him. We read this. For his hands refuse to labor. All day long, listen, all day long, he craves and craves. And what's the contrast? But the righteous gives and does not hold back. So the sluggard craves and craves and craves. Is his rest is centered around me, what's in it for me, whereas in contrast, the righteous in this same aspect gives and does not hold back. The sluggard's cycle of work and rest is all out of whack because his entire mindset centers on what's in it for me, and so his leisure is about me because his work is about me. And the problem that comes with this, here's, here's, the, here's the thing. The problem when it's always about what's in it for me is there's no room to ponder rest's true meaning. As long as in pride our work and our leisure are centered around what can I get out of this most of all, we don't have room to ponder the meaning behind rest. And, and this is really important because Solomon assumes a lot in writing Proverbs, right? He assumes a lot. If I were, right, so let's say Winnie's fresh off the boat from the Philippines. 
right? I, have, I can't talk to her with all these new like, assumptions I have as an American because she still has to learn those things, right? She's thinking as a Filipino. I'm thinking as an American. I have to explain things to her. Solomon is writing to his son as a fellow Jew. So his son knows what rest means. When do the Israelites rest? When are they commanded to rest? On the Sabbath, right? And the Sabbath, right, wasn't simply meant for this bodily repair or recharging. Yes, it is. Absolutely. Sabbath is meant for that. but, But the Sabbath was always meant to redirect the Israelites' minds on the meaning of all of this, on the meaning of of work, on the meaning of rest, and on the meaning of all creation. The Sabbath was meant to point to the one who sustains us and sustains it all. It's not about me or my world. Rest, the Sabbath, was always meant to point us to the one who is always working so that even our work functions the way that it does, because God is always working. The one who is creating and sustaining and growing and nourishing. That there is someone who is behind all of this, and that our working and our resting are gracious gifts from Him. And so, in in reflecting on this, our lives become centered around God's selflessness and His generosity and His abundance. And in turn, our lives become less life-taking and more life-giving. That's the kind of leisure that lasts. It's crazy. Every seven years... The Israelites never did this, but every seven years they were commanded to not work for an entire year. That's crazy. But it was all meant to point to the one who continually works, who continually sustains, who continually provides and nourishes his people. That's lasting leisure. Work and rest are the balance on which the universe was created. God worked and he rested. And so the rest of creation follows this cycle of work and rest. And ultimately, the gospel is the fulfillment of this cycle. The Sabbath is meant to point to God's working so that so that ultimately we might be pointed to His work for us in Christ. Christ did the work we could not do and there is nothing we can do to add to it and nothing we can do to take away from it. Now, our true rest is found in His work. Our true rest is found in Christ's work. And so work, when we work, is meant to direct us into Christ's work. We get tired we get burnt out we get frustrated we get aches and pains we get treated unfairly and so we look unto christ's work for us a work that is full a work that is free a work that is complete a work that is finished and rest directs us under the fact that there's nothing more that can be done and so we rest in his promise that he is enough for us 
time wasted with Christ is more productive than time laboring for hours on end. We rest. Rest reminds us that we rest in His promise that He's enough, that His work is enough. And, and ultimately, our Sabbath is found not on a day of the week, but in His completed work for us. Ultimately, in His work for us. And He will one day bring us to our final rest. A new creation. Where we will work for the glory of God without frustration for the rest of eternity. Yeah, we're going to work in the new creation. And it's going to be happy and joyful. No frustrations. Home Depot won't be there. (laughs) Or cheap car parts. But we will work with joy to the glory of God for eternity. But this, this, listen, is only found in repentance and faith in Christ. It's not found in any other way. If you are not actively trusting in Christ's work today, then you're trusting in your own work. And you're not fulfilling what God designed you to do. That is found only in Christ. And so, your work is to repent and believe today in Christ. To rest from all of your labor. To rest from your good works. To rest from trying. To rest from your sin. And to trust in Christ. God's finished work for you. Repent and believe in that today. Let's respond to God's word in prayer. Father God, we, if we're honest, are work weary. God, we're weary of working. Tired of carrying dirt. Tired of cleaning toilets. Tired of dealing with impatient or rude people. Our bodies ache. We get burnt out. Lord, we just, we want rest. But God, through your word, we see you designed us for work. And we know it. We were made to work. And we were made to work for your glory. We were made to rest. Made to rest in you. And so, Father, by the work of your Holy Spirit, help us to work for your glory. To know what we were made for even when we don't want to do it anymore. And Father, help us to find lasting leisure, not in all just the fun stuff, although we're so thankful for fun things, but ultimately in Christ. I direct our hearts by faith that you have worked for us and done everything that we need. And may our work and our resting always lead us back to the gospel. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.